Welcome to Manna for Breakfast, the daily Bible reading devotional which chronologically takes you through the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation in one year. Grab a cup of coffee and your Bible and join us as we journey together through God's Word. All right. Good morning. We're going to be looking at Genesis 49 and 50 today. So please find your place, if you will, and let's look in God's Word. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for allowing us to finish, God, the book of Genesis. What a beautiful book, a tremendous book. God, we ask you continue to guide us through the rest of the Bible, God, as we go deep into your Word. In Jesus' name, amen. Genesis 49, verse 1. Then Jacob summoned his sons and said, Assemble yourselves that I may tell you what will befall you in the days to come. Gather together and hear, O sons of Jacob, and listen to Israel, your father. Reuben, you are my firstborn, my might and and the beginning of my strength, preeminent in dignity and preeminent in power, uncontrolled as water. You should not have preeminence because you went up to your father's bed, then you defiled it. He went up to my couch. Simeon and Levi are brothers. Their swords are implements of violence. Let my soul not enter into their council, nor let my glory be united with their assembly, because in their anger they slew men, and in their self-will they lamed oxen. Cursed be their anger, for it is fierce, and their wrath, for it is cruel. I will disperse them in Jacob and scatter them in Israel. Judah, your brothers shall praise you. Your hand shall be on the neck of your enemies. Your father's sons shall bow down to you. Judah is a lion's whelp from the prey. My son, you have gone up. He crouches, he lies down as a lion. And as a lion, who dares rouse him up? The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet until Shiloh comes. And to him shall be the obedience of the people. He ties his foal to the vine and his donkey's colt to the choice vine. He washes his garments in wine and his robes in the blood of grapes. His eyes are dull from wine and his teeth white from milk. Zebulun will dwell at the seashore and he shall be a haven for ships and his flank shall be towards Sidon. Issachar is a strong donkey lying down between the sheepfolds. When he saw that a resting place was good, that the land was pleasant, he bowed his shoulder to bear burdens. He became a slave at forced labor. Dan shall judge his people as one of the tribes of Israel. Dan shall be a serpent in the way, a horned snake in the path that bites the horse's heels so that his rider falls backwards. For your salvation I wait, O Lord. As for the Gad, raiders shall raid him, but he will raid at their heels. As for Asher, his food shall be rich, and he will yield royal dainties. Naphtali is a doe let loose. He gives beautiful words. Joseph is a fruitful bough, a fruitful bough by a spring. Its branches run over a wall. The archers bitterly attacked him and shot at him and harassed him. But his bow remained firm, and his arms were agile, and the hands of the mighty one of Jacob From there is the shepherd, the stone of Israel. From the God of your fathers who helps you, and by the Almighty who blesses you, is the blessing from heaven above. 
blessings of the deep that lie beneath, blessings of the breast of the womb, blessings of your father have surpassed the blessings of my ancestors to the utmost bound of the everlasting hills. May they be on the head of Joseph and on the crown of the head of the one distinguished among his brothers. Benjamin is a ravenous wolf. In the morning he devours the prey, and in the evening he divides the spoil. All these are the twelve tribes of Israel, and this is what their father said to them when he blessed them. He blessed them, everyone with a blessing appropriate to him. Then he charged them and said to them, I am about to be gathered to my people. Bury me with my fathers in the cave that is in the field of Ephron the Hittite, in the cave that is in the field of Machpelah, which is before Mamre, in the land of Canaan, which Abraham bought along with the field that Ephron the Hittite for a burial site. And there they buried Abraham and his wife, Sarah, and they buried Isaac and his wife, Rebekah. And there I buried Leah. The field and the cave that is in it purchased from the sons of Heth. When Jacob finished charging his sons, he drew his feet into the bed, breathed his last, and was gathered to his people. Chapter 15. Then Joseph fell on his father's face and wept over him and kissed him. Joseph commanded his servants, the physicians, to embalm his father. So the physicians embalmed Israel for 40 days. Now 40 days were required for it, for such is the period required for embalming. And the Egyptians wept for him 70 days. When the days of mourning for him were past, Joseph spoke to the household of Pharaoh, saying, Now if I have found favor in your sight, please speak to Pharaoh, saying, My father made me swear, saying, Behold, I am about to die in my grave, which I dug for myself in the land of Canaan. There you shall bury me. Now therefore, please let me go up and bury my father. Then I will return. Pharaoh said, Go up and bury your father, as he made you swear. So Joseph went up to bury his father, and with him went up all the servants of Pharaoh, and the elders of his household, and all the elders of the land of Egypt, and all the household of Joseph and his brothers and his father's household. They left only their little ones and their flocks and their herds in the land of Goshen. There also went up with him both chariots and horsemen, and it was a very great company. And when they came to the threshing floor of Atad, which is beyond the Jordan, they lamented there with a very great and sorrowful lamentation, and observed seven days mourning for his father. Now when the inhabitants of the land, the Canaanites, saw the morning at the threshing floor of Atad, they said, This is a grievous morning for the Egyptians. Therefore it was named Abel Mithraim, which is beyond the Jordan. Verse 12, Thus his sons did for him as he had charged them. For his sons carried him to the land of Canaan and buried him in the cave of the field of Machpelah before Mamre, which Abraham had bought along with the field for a burial site from Ephron the Hittite. After he had buried his father, Joseph returned to Egypt, he and his brothers, and all who had gone up with him to bury his father. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, What if Joseph bears a grudge against us and pays us back in full for all the wrong which we did to him? So they sent a message to Joseph, saying, Your father charged before you died, saying, Thus you shall say to Joseph, Please forgive, I beg you, the transgression of your brothers and their sin, for they did you wrong. And now please forgive the transgression of the servants of God of your father. And Joseph wept when they spoke to him. Then his brothers also came and fell down before him and said, Behold, we are your servants. But Joseph said to them, Now be afraid, for am I in God's place? As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about this present result, to preserve many people alive. So therefore do not be afraid. I will provide for you and your little ones. So he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. 22. 
Now Joseph stayed in Egypt, he and his father's household, and Joseph lived 110 years. Joseph saw the third generation of Ephraim's sons, also the sons of Machir, the son of Manasseh, was born on Joseph's knees. Joseph said to his brothers, I'm about to die, but God will surely take care of you and bring you up from the land to the land which he promised on the oath to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Then Joseph made the sons of Israel swear, saying, God will surely take care of you, and you shall carry my bones up from here. So Joseph died at the age of 110 years, and he was embalmed and placed in a coffin in Egypt. Interesting finish to the book. And we see how Joseph's brothers never got, never finally, never really got away from their guilt, number one what they'd done, nor were they ever kind of completely cleansed of deception because now they're lying about what the dad says don't hurt us. Um, They're very, very worried about what might happen to them. And uh, what's so interesting to me is they never had, they had not figured out Joseph's character up to this point. They had not gotten close enough to him, I'm sure, like Jacob did, to find out his heart. He truly believed that God allowed them to do what they did for the betterment of Israel, to save many lives. He's now looking back and saying, you know what? What they meant for evil, God, you meant it for good. And uh, all I can do is say, blessed be the God of Israel. Because now I'm here saving people, thousands, millions of people, because of what happened. So he held no grudge against them. They didn't understand it. And this is one of those areas, too, where we look at um, Joseph being a type of Jesus. And people misunderstand the heart and the mercy of Jesus and the forgiveness of Jesus. And they think that because they've done something, they promised to do, they promised God they would do something. They didn't do it. They said they'd go to church and they didn't, or they sinned after they gave their life to the Lord. You know, whatever it is, they, they think Jesus is holding a grudge against them, that God's they, that waiting for time to get them. So many people think that God's waiting to get me. And, and that's not the heart of God. God is willing to forgive if we would yet come to him. So interesting, the traveling going up there. Um, the blessings, boy, there's a lot you could go into the blessings. Some aren't so much of a blessing as much as it is a curse. But when you follow each one of those sons, you really do see, for the most part, the ones we understand anyway, this is what happened to them. The, the, the tribes that got very much blessed, Judah, obviously, Lion of Judah, Jesus comes from there. And uh, Dan does become someone like a viper and, and does bite at heels. And Reuben, um, Simeon, they, they suffered because of what they did. And notice what I get out of that is that God knows at the end of our life, we have to make a reckoning for our life. And at the end of Jacob's life, he's making a reckoning of their life, saying, I'm dying, but I, what you did all those years ago is still sinful before God, and you won't get blessed because of it. Now, we live in a different time, and we ha- can find forgiveness for those things if they're confessed, but... Here they were paying the consequences. There's always consequences to pay when we willfully rebel against God. Matthew twenty three twenty three. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have it neglected the weightier provisions of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. But these are the things you should have done without neglecting the other. You blind guides who strain out a gnat and swallow a camel. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, For you clean the outside of the cup of the dish, but inside they are full of robbery and self-indulgence. 
You blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and of the dish, so that the outside of it may become clean also. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you are like whitewashed tombs, which on the outside appear beautiful, but inside they are full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. So you too outwardly appear righteous to men, but inwardly you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you build the tombs of the prophets and adorn the monuments of the righteous and say, if we had been living in the days of our fathers, we would not have been partners with them in the shedding of blood of the prophets. So you testify against yourselves that you are sons of those who murdered the prophets. Fill up then the measure of your guilt of your fathers. You serpents, you brood of vipers, how will you escape the sentence of hell? Therefore, behold, I am sending you prophets and wise men and scribes, Some of them you will kill and crucify. Some of them you will scourge in your synagogues and persecute from city to city, so that upon you may fall the guilt of all the righteous blood shed on the earth, from the blood of righteous Abel to the blood of Zechariah, the son of Berechiah, whom you murdered between the temple and the altar. Truly I say to you, all these things will come upon this generation. Verse 37, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, who kills the prophets, and stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather you together the way a hand gathers her chicks under her wings, and you were not willing. Behold, your house is being left to you desolate. For I say to you, from now on you will not see me until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Jesus condemning these Pharisees and getting them to admit, to see, using the straight logic, says you build all these monuments to these prophets of old, yet... You stone and murder the prophets in your day, whoever's around. Jesus saying, me, John, whoever, you guys want to get rid of, kill. But you said, oh, have we been alive in their day? Oh, we would have definitely honored them. He says, you're a hypocrite. You're even admitting that that's what you do. You kill the prophets of your day. You're blind, and you're the blind leading the blind. Because why? They were unwilling to look into the scriptures to see the things about what Jesus was talking about. God's talking about how long he he wanted to gather them as he gathers her chicks and and be the loving father that he said he was and, and wanted them to accept him as a loving father. But instead, they make a religious hierarchy and it's all about power and it's about obedience to them. And it's a governmental structure to control people and they had lost their way, they had lost a relationship, or if they ever had one, with Yahweh. So, so sad what we see happen here, and Jesus condemns it. And before, of course, he, he is going to be killed, he has to say, and I'm going to be the next one. Charles Spurgeon, if thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God, blessed shalt thou be in the city, Deuteronomy 28, 2 and 3. The city is full of care, and he who has to go there from day to day finds it to be a place of great wear and tear. It is full of noise and stir and bustle and sore travail. Many are its temptations, losses and worries, but to go there with the divine blessing takes off the edge of its difficulty. To remain there with the blessing is to find pleasure in its duties and strength equal to its demands. The blessing in the city may not make us great, but it will keep us good. It may not make us rich, but it will preserve us honest. Whether we are porters or clerks, or managers, or merchants, or magistrates, the city will afford us opportunity for usefulness. It is good fishing where there are shoals of fish, and it is hopeful to work for our Lord amid the thronging crowd. We might prefer the quiet of the country life, 
Amen. <laughs> but if called to town, we may certainly prefer it because there is room for our energies. Today, let us expect good things because of this promise. And let our care be to have an open ear to the voice of the Lord and a hand ready to execute his bidding. Obedience brings the blessing. In keeping his commandments, there is great reward. Um, that is so, so perfect. <laughs> I relate to that very much. I'm, I'm a little out of sequence here. So we will do this again tomorrow if I can work these things out. Okay, bye-bye. <laughs>